Hey everyone, welcome to our predictions of the third week of October edition of the Dan and Joe Sports Show. As always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe. All right, Joe, let's lead in with the most epic third week of October in recent memory. And Joe, let me say it's Alabama-Tennessee in a game where Tennessee fans actually believe they can win, that they can end this insane streak that Alabama has, which now is going on 15 years. Just shocking that this rivalry has taken that much of a turn. It's always been one where I feel like, you know, one side or the other has dominated it. I mean, I think Tennessee had a period of like 11 years in a row where they beat Alabama, but this this has gotten crazy. And suddenly, Hendon Hooker, uh, Josh Heupel, uh, you know, Tillman, and uh, Brew McCoy and, and Hyatt have something to say about this big streak that Bama has and about ending it. Yeah, I mean, you really come into this uh, game, for me at least, uh, feeling like Tennessee is definitely the better team here. I really feel like, you know, a lot of this uh, hinges on um, Bryce Young's availability. And at this point, even if he's able to go, I just can't think that he's 100%. And so I feel like there's just a big advantage uh, towards Tennessee here. Joe, I'll tell you what game this reminds me of. Everyone says, well, don't don't start talking about Nick Saban uh, is, is possibly losing because that's when his teams are best. But I look at this game a lot like the Alabama LSU 2019 game. Uh, you know, that game, Tua was coming in. They were pushing for him to come back. And, you know, of course, LSU had uh, Joe Burrow playing out of his mind on his way to a Heisman Trophy win. And that was a game that Alabama had at home. And, you know, all the Alabama fans and everyone still expected that Alabama would find a way to win that game, even though LSU clearly had the better team and were a team that was on its way to winning a national championship. I'm not saying yet that I think Tennessee is on the way to winning a national championship. But I look at what Tennessee has done this year, and I think they're more battle-tested than Alabama has been. They've beaten better teams. Um you know, the best win that Alabama has on the resume right now is probably Texas, right? I, I would say Texas is the best team, but they beat Texas without uh, without Quinn Ewers. They knocked out Quinn Ewers on the first series of the game, and Quinn Ewers was carving them up. And Quinn Ewers is nowhere near the quarterback that Hendon Hooker is in my mind. Uh, I think that, you know, Tennessee's got much better playmakers uh, than than Texas did. I mean, the the receivers that we're talking about with Cedric Tillman, uh, with uh, with Hyatt, with Brew McCoy, Tennessee is dealing with a fully loaded deck when it comes to weapons, and we've seen Alabama really struggle in road environments the last couple of years. Um, they pulled away from a, what has turned out to be a fraudulent Arkansas team at the end of the game. Um, you know, when Jalen Milrow had to come in and when Bryce Young got hurt. But that win looks less and less impressive all the time. And Arkansas got back to when they were in one score in that game. And I thought Milrow played very good at the end of that game and what was a hostile environment. But it's nowhere near like what you're going to see in uh, Neyland Stadium where there's going to be 110,000 people and probably more like 115,000 people just standing, you know, standing room only for this game and, uh, what is, I think I've heard the lowest ticket you can get for this is like $500. This is going to be an insane environment. And I think a lot of people were worried about, you know, maybe this being too much of an environment for Tennessee. Well, they've already had one like this in Florida 
And while they didn't play their best game, they were able to pull it out and they dominated it for most of it. So I don't think the moment's going to be too big for Tennessee. And, you know, I just – I look at this as – I think this is Tennessee's time. I think they, they've they been waiting a long time for this to happen for them, and I think this is finally their moment. Yeah, I mean, just the stars have aligned perfectly for them to have a great chance to win this game. And, you know, you just look at the quarterback situation. You know, their quarterback's healthy. He's playing turnover-free football. Um, he's just got so many weapons. You think about the wide receivers – you also look at the running back situation. I've said it before on the show this year. This is one of the weaker uh, running back arsenals I can remember in the Nick Saban era. Like, I think Gibbs is a good running back, but just not, you know, like the running backs they've had in the past. And I look at Tennessee having uh, Jalen Wright and Jabari Smith. I think that's uh, both guys could go off at any point. We've seen both players have good running games um, at different times this year. And then you talk about the experience of Tennessee – having already gone to Baton Rouge last week, having already gone to Florida on the road, I mean, any atmosphere is not going to shake them at all, especially because they can profit from it this week behind their electrifying home crowd. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, whether Bryce Young plays or not, I think he's going to be limited to some regard because it is a shoulder injury. Um, There's a reason they sat him out last week. And I almost think that if Alabama was smart, they'd sit on this week in a game where I think they'd lose even if he played. If he plays up to 50%, I think they lose. Like, if you have 100% Bryce Young, I would favor Alabama, but I don't think that's what it is. I don't think they're going to have that. And I kind of think that this is a game that Alabama can afford to lose. And I think if I were Nick Saban, I would actually sit Bryce Young and play Jalen Milrow in this and just take the L. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, this is a team that, you know, even if they lose, I was talking about, about my dad earlier, with Tennessee's luck, they would get a rematch in the SEC championship yeah. game, and then Alabama would beat them. But, you know, going to the to the, the, the matchups, I mean, quarterback, if you have a, a healthy Bryce Young, is pretty much a wash. Um, you know, I think Bryce Young is – he's won the Heisman Trophy – but if you look at the stats and you look at what Hendon Hooker has done, I mean, I think he's a more consistent quarterback than Bryce Young. He doesn't have quite, um, you know, maybe not the speed of him, a uh, little bit. Uh, Bryce Young is maybe a little bit better at escaping the pocket, although I think that in terms of getting long runs, I would say Hendon Hooker is maybe a better running quarterback in terms of getting the yards. Uh, give the, the edge to Bryce Young on escapability and maybe – the ability to make next level throws. But I think in terms of consistency, in a lot of ways, Hinton Hooker's a better quarterback than Bryce Young. No, I could really see that. Um, and I think I would occur, concur with that assessment. Um, but I do think, you know, with um, Young having missed a week coming off injury, I just don't think he's going to be clicking on all cylinders. And I think that that deficiency, you know, just any little disadvantage that you have in a game of this magnitude, I think that that is going to show up at some point at an alarming rate. And then I also think that Tennessee's defense is going to put some pressure on him, maybe that he hasn't seen with some of the opposing uh, defenses on the schedule so far. Yeah, you know, uh, Texas was able to get home to Bryce Young a lot, and they had a lot of pressure on him. Uh, this Alabama offensive line is not as good as the ones we've seen in the past. We saw Texas A&M had a lot of success in pressuring Jalen Milrow last week. Now, a lot of that, of course, was the decision-making of Milrow, who's not near as confident a quarterback as Bryce Young is. But we saw Texas get a lot of pressure against Alabama in that game. We saw the crowd 
rattle that Alabama team. This is going to be infinitely louder. And Tennessee, you know, while they're not a great defense, one thing they have done well is they've rushed the passer quite well. And we saw them really get a lot of pressure against LSU. I think they had something like seven sacks in that game. Yeah, I mean, Daniels is not an easy quarterback, you know, to, to sack. Right, exactly. And one thing, too, one of Alabama's greatest strengths they have is their pass rush with, uh, of course, uh, you know, Dallas Turner and, um, and Will Anderson. But one thing that Tennessee does is they snap the ball so quick and their plays are all so fast that it negates a pass rush to a large degree. And while that was great against Texas A&M where they have kind of a slow-developing offense and that quarterback was getting hit all the time, I don't think a pass rusher is near as effective against Tennessee just because of how moved they, they get rid of the ball, how fast they, they call plays. And I think that one of Alabama's greatest strengths is going to be negated by the style of offense that Tennessee runs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that stylistically that's going to hurt them. When I look at this, Dan, I just don't really see a path for Alabama to win this particular game. I don't either, Joe. And if I was looking at an Alabama team that still had Jamison Williams, that had John Mechie, that had somebody like a Jalen Waddle, I would think that, you know, Tennessee, they still could take advantage of Tennessee's secondary. But Alabama's receivers this year are maybe, maybe slightly better than middle of the road in the SEC this year. I can think of a few teams off the top of my head, Tennessee being one of them that has much better wide receivers than Alabama. I mean, I would put Tennessee's receivers better. I would say Georgia, when you include the tight ends in that conversation, have better receivers than Alabama. I think Ole Miss right now looks like they have better receivers than Alabama. And maybe you could even make an argument that Mississippi State with Ducking and Waddle uh, and, and Wally are better wide receivers than what you have at Alabama right now. And I think that's one of their biggest problems is I don't see who's the showstopper for Alabama right now. Right. You know, I, I think without question that that is a huge concern for them. And so I just come out of this saying that you can argue that Bryce Young's a better quarterback at 100% than Hooker. Jameer Gibbs is probably a better running back himself than what you have with either one of the Tennessee running backs. But when you combine uh, Smith and, and the, his counterpart together, maybe Tennessee has a more complete rushing attack. And, you know, I think Alabama's defense is much better, but I think stylistically what Tennessee does negates it. I think if you if you look at everything lined up with that, Andrew playing in front of 110,000 just hungry Tennessee fans that are going to be loud, like the loudest stadium in the, in, in the in America this weekend, I just think the Tennessee is going to win this one finally. I think so, and I, I think you give you know a good um, analogy to that 2019 LSU um, Alabama game. I think that there are a lot of similarities there. And I kind of see a similar thing happen. I might see Tennessee, you know, being up by two scores most of the game and Bryce Young doing what he does and leading Alabama in a heroic comeback attempt where maybe they score a touchdown and have a chance to do an onside kick at the end that fails. I could see it being a very similar type game to that. Um, I think I'm looking at, Joe, I think I like Tennessee in this game 38-31. to 31. I think I'll go with that. I think that's a good assessment. All right. Uh, and Joe, and now our lock of the week. You know, you could say that uh, I would go Tennessee to cover the seven and a half, and Tennessee on the money line. I'm not going to do that though, Joe, because I don't believe in betting on Alabama games because I'm always wrong. It's a it, it's a it's a curse. 
I think that the betting gods know that I'm an Auburn fan, and therefore, no matter which way I go in an Alabama game, whether I favor them or I go anyways, I always lose. So I'm not going to put that one out there. I'll tell you one I do like. Uh, we talked about uh, during the last episode what has happened with Oklahoma football and just how you know they're one of the worst teams in college football right now. A lot of attention in Vegas is being painted towards that OU on the helmet as they take on Kansas. Kansas right now is a very good football team in really every facet of the game. I mean, uh, when they have Jalen Daniels out there, they have a good quarterback play. They showed that their backup bean is quite good. They've had a defense that won a game against Iowa State when their offense was poor. And yet, with all of this in Oklahoma coming off a 49 to nothing thrashing in the Red River rivalry by Texas, I think it was a 55 to 17 loss to TCU the week before. Joe, Oklahoma is favored by nine and a half points over Kansas right now. I mean, that is unfathomable to me. Um, I like Kansas on the money line on this. And at the very least, Kansas is going to cover the nine and a half points. But I really don't think you need the points. I say take Oklahoma on the money line. I mean, seriously, take Kansas, take Kansas on the money line against Oklahoma. Yeah, the, the, the nine and a half was really just a staggering number to me. Like, I could see, you know, maybe make an argument if it's just like one or two points for, for Oklahoma. But the nine and a half, like, to me, that would signify that they had some momentum coming. Yeah, I mean, and the only thing that I can think, Joe, is that, you know, in Vegas, they're banking on the fact that enough people are not watching college football and are just going there to to think about the the teams they see right there. And anyone that's watched this Oklahoma team this year couldn't in their own good consciousness lay the points with Oklahoma in this game. Right, right. And plus, yeah, I, think, I think that TC, I think Kansas is going to show a little bit of a comeback after last week. I think they're going to play a good game this week. I think someone means a lot to them. I, I can see that. Um, the one that I have for this week, I'm looking at uh, Florida State Clemson. And the last time I checked, uh, Clemson was just favored by three and a half at Tallahassee. And I just think kind of, you know, similarly, you know, while it's not as uh, drastic as Oklahoma right now at the moment for Norvell and company, um, Florida State is not trending in a good direction um, with two losses. And Clemson is on the uptick. I mean, they're just, you know, thrashing people. Had an impressive win this past weekend. You know, dominated, I think, Boston College. Mm. And so I think that Clemson kind of continues that and they're going to win this game over Florida State pretty convincingly. Yeah, I think so too, Joe. I think that's a solid bet right now. Tennessee, I mean, Clemson is really playing well on both sides of the football. You know, last year they had a team where their defense was up to Clemson standards, but their offense had taken significant steps back. This team this year has really shown a lot on the offensive side of the ball. I think DJ Uyangale is playing so much better. And I thought DJ showed me so much in that win against Wake Forest where he got into an actual quarterback duel with Sam Hartman and beat him. And I thought that was a huge win for him to to beat Wake Forest in overtime with his defense not playing great. And since that time, the Clemson defense has stepped up. They shut down NC State. Yet again, DJ had a really good game against a solid NC State defense. And I think that Florida State coming off the losses to, to Wake Forest where they got beat handily, uh, this loss they had against NC State last week when everything was trending in their favor and yet they created a way to lose with the poor play call, I think they're going to be bereft. And I think that this Florida State fan base was so starved and so happy after beating LSU and was getting so ready that this had a chance to be an epic environment. And, you know, it was looking like maybe for a minute there 
that this could have been a game that could have been considered for college game day. The Florida State's fan base is going to be back to the way it should be, but they've really dropped in the last couple weeks, and I don't think it's going to be even that exciting of a crowd down there in Tallahassee. And I look for this to be a beatdown. I think Clemson's going to, you know, put a stamp on here that we're here to stay. You tried to, you tried to forget about us, but we're still one of the elites, and they're going to show it this weekend. Well, you know, ironically, this rivalry game is an ACC rivalry has kind of switched places now with Alabama, Tennessee, which used to be kind of in that same conversation. Alabama dominating the last fifteen years. You know, Clemson and Florida State a few years ago with Jimbo Fisher against Dabo Sweeney, that was the game you would think of more. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, for a long time there, Florida State dominated Clemson. Uh, when, you know, when Tommy Bowden was taking on his dad, Bobby Bowden at Florida State, Tommy lost about pretty much every single one of those. And Clemson was a fine program. They just weren't very good. You know, they were, uh, I would say, like a top third program, but nothing more than that. And then, of course, Dabo came in there, and since he's been there, they've been – you know, number number th- number one, two, and three, like pretty much every year. And I, I'm really impressed with what he's done with losing all of his coordinators and, in fact, having his team look stronger on both sides of the ball this year. Yeah, it's very impressive. All right, Joe. Um, speaking of impressive, I saw this team with my own eyes earlier this season and the, the season before, and I was very impressed by them. And, of course, it turns out that this Auburn team is nowhere near what we thought they were. But Penn State is still a very good football team. And what makes them different than they were last season is that they have Nick Singleton and they have a running attack. Last year, I think they didn't have a single rushing a rush and rushing touchdown of over seven yards. And meanwhile, Singleton's probably one of the top ten best running backs in America, a true freshman. Sean Clifford has not had a Clifford-type game this season where – Everyone says there's good Sean and bad Sean. He's just playing good football right now. And they're taking on a Michigan team in the big house that is putting up gaudy numbers, that's beating everybody to a pulp. People are really big on J.J. McCarthy because he's almost throwing at a 70% completion rate. I think he's like at 78%. And this is a fascinating game to me because – I feel like Michigan is a team that, of course, they made the college football playoff last year, had an amazing season, a little bit of a rough offseason with uh, Jim Harbaugh having heavy flirtations with the Vikings before being left at the altar. But, you know, they've looked dominating this year, but who have they played against, Joe? They've beaten just poor teams. They beat Hawaii really badly, Rutgers, Rutgers. you know, Washington – or no, they didn't play Washington this year. That was last year. I don't even really know who all Michigan's played. They because played Indiana, I think, next last week. They played Indiana and beat them like 31-10. to 10. Uh, Maryland actually, you know, hung with Michigan for that entire game, and Michigan only beat them by one score. I don't really know why people are so high on Michigan this year, Joe. Well, I'm going to tell you this. I think that Penn State has a good opportunity to win – but I'm going to be one of those that sides with Michigan for a couple of reasons. One, I do think it's significant with the game being at Michigan. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to help their offense. Um, I look at Michigan having a really good running back in Corum. I think, you know, with him already having 11 touchdowns this year, I think over 700 yards, he's going to be um, with the trajectory he's on a Heisman contender this year and may get invited to New York based on how Michigan's season's going. 
But additionally, I just look at the play of J.J. McCarthy, and you talked about his accuracy. I just think he's such an efficient passer this year, and it's really kind of surprising when you look about um, back to the fact that there was that quarterback controversy coming into the season. Like that almost feels like light years in the past with how McCarthy's made strides in recent weeks. And I just really think Michigan at home that they're going to do enough to win this game. Well, Joe, I think Michigan is a team that I'm not saying they're not good. I just haven't seen them play anybody yet, which, of course, that's the way, the way their schedule works. But I look at a couple key matchups that made me a little worried. I know J.J. McCarthy has done really excellent this season, but the only times I saw him last year in clutch moments where it mattered was against Michigan State, and he was awful in those games. He made he made major mistakes that allowed Michigan State to steal a game they shouldn't have won when Michigan was the better team. And I'm worried about him taking on what is an excellent Penn State defense and, more importantly, uh, Michael Porter Jr., who I think is one of the best cornerbacks in America. And I look for him to get an interception at least this week, if not cause a fumble. And while I do think Blake Corum is one of the best running backs in America – uh, I think that Penn State's got one that's in the same realm as Nick Singleton. I think that's a little bit of a wash right there. And while I think McCarthy has all the skill sets in the world, I really like the way that Clifford's playing. And I think this is a big show-me game for Penn State, who's been waiting for this opportunity to take that next step again with James Franklin and get them back in that realm that they were you know, in their early 2014, 2015 with James Franklin when they had Saquon Barkley. I think this Penn State team is one that's destined to have a chance to be a Big Ten championship and and have an epic game with Ohio State. And I think this year this Michigan team is not the number one team or the number two team in the Big Ten. I think they're the number three team. And I think Penn State wins a close game, even on the road. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how it plays out because, you know, over the last two decades, so often in the Big Ten, you know, it takes a game involving Ohio State for it really to be, you know, must-see TV. And I think this is one of the better regular season games we're going to see this season. Absolutely, Joe. I think this is a fascinating game uh, because everybody wants to know who is the main challenger to Ohio State this year. People are penciling in Ohio State for the playoff. I think right now they're the betting favorite to win the national championship. Now we get to find out who's their foil, who's going to be the one that has a chance to end this magical Ohio State story. Is it Penn State or is it Michigan? I'm very excited about this game. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I'm, I'm taking I'm taking the Nindy Lions in a close one in this. I think it's probably going to be a game, maybe something like 27 to 21. Okay. I'll say uh, 24 to 17. Okay. All right, Joe, we're going to end with a game that, of course, interests both of us, but really nationally speaking, because of how bad Auburn's been, not a lot of like you know attention is being paid on this, except for the fact of what happens with Brian Harson after the game. And Joe, I saw an interesting stat today that Auburn is thirteen and three at Oxford when playing Ole Miss, and that the last three times that Auburn has lost in Oxford to Ole Miss, their coach got fired that same season. So apparently Pat Dye lost, and that was his last season. He got fired. Um, Tommy Tuberville in the disastrous 2008 season lost to Ole Miss and Oxford, got fired. And then, of course, Gene Chizik in the worst Auburn season ever in 2012 when they had no SEC wins, he lost in Oxford to Ole Miss. And now we're looking at Brian Harson, who – 
Uh, he's not going to go winless in the SEC because he has that gift from the gods win against Missouri. But uh, he very well might lose the rest of his games. And it's kind of an interesting stat because uh, I definitely think that it's, of course, that now, like everyone says, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Um, I would have gotten rid of him two weeks ago when he coached her way out of a sure win against LSU, but that's just me. Yeah, I mean, I've told you before that historically, you know, Auburn has consistently beat Ole Miss, and I think that's the thing that even the years when Ole Miss is favored to beat Auburn, which is, you know, not that often, Ole Miss fans definitely have to be concerned about this game and respect that. But I, I just think, you know, this year, you know, the history that you mentioned, we've seen these instances where, you know, it's just been that um, kind of glaring advantage towards Ole Miss. Ole Miss does tend to capitalize, especially in Oxford. And when I look at the matchup, I just see too much firepower for Ole Miss where mm -hmm. um, it's hard for me to see what Auburn would have to do. Um, I think my one concern about Ole Miss, and this is not necessarily for this game, but um, this may slow him up a little bit, and it's more of a concern going forward, is Michael Trigg, you know, the tight end transfer from USC, he's going to be out for a while. And, you know, while he's not necessarily at times had the impact in the receiving game that we had hoped, he's a great blocker, and he is, has a lot to do with what they do with the running game. He's a good decoy out there as well. And so I think that not having him for this game is a blow, and I'm interested to see the adjustments that the offense makes without him. Yeah, Joe, I think that's definitely going to be a problem, not in this game, but later in the season, um, because that was a good one-two punch with Mingo and with Trigg. But without him, Mingo is really the only, you know, really solid receiver that Ole Miss has. Um, the biggest advantage that I think Ole Miss has over Auburn in this game is their defensive line versus Auburn's offensive line. Auburn's offensive line is proving to be an absolute liability that hasn't effectively blocked anyone since the very first game against Mercer. I mean, even San Jose State was able to get some pretty consistent pressure on T.J. Finley. And we saw what happened against Penn State and Georgia, and even more upsettingly against LSU and Missouri, the people have been able to get constant pressure on Auburn's quarterbacks, be it T.J. Finley or Robbie Ashford. And, uh, and Ole Miss's defensive line has proven to be very good. And, I mean, that was who won the game for him against Kentucky in a game where the offense didn't play great. And I think that the Ole Miss defense, you know, has a chance to get five-plus sacks against what is a very poor Auburn, uh, Auburn offensive line. Yeah, you know, you think about in the offseason, uh, Gibbs was kind of the – big transfer that was talked about from Georgia Tech. But uh, Jared Ivey, you know, is kind of underrated as a defensive lineman. And he comes to Ole Miss, and he's a guy, you know, that was impactful as a Georgia Tech transfer in the game against Kentucky. And uh, I think he's a guy, you know, that's important in this game as well. But they've got other defensive players like a Troy Brown and others, you know, who are really capable. And I think that it's really impressed me how – even with, even with the departure of several key defensive players like Sam Williams and Chance Campbell, Ole Miss's defense has still kind of recaptured a lot of the strength they had last year. That's right, Joe. And, you know, Ole Miss has a couple of Auburn transfers on their team. Uh, they've got the cornerback on the back end and Tennyson that played at Auburn the year before that was a starter. Um, and then, of course, you have J.J. Pegues, which – I'm sad to see that J.J. Pekees, I was hoping when he transferred back to Ole Miss 
that Lane was going to use him in the way that he deserves to be used because he's one of the most athletic big men I've ever seen. And that first year that uh, Gus Malzahn had him and he threw the ball to him, he had him play running back a little bit and, and you know, throw the ball too. Um, you know, he was incredible. And Auburn stopped using him that way and they turned him into a defensive lineman. And sadly at Ole Miss, it's the same thing. And I just hate it because it's such a waste of what it is an amazingly talented player. Yeah, I wonder if some coaches, like if Freeze was there, if he would use him like Jeremy Liggins, kind of like in different roles. Yeah, and that's what I thought that he should have been used at at Auburn. Um, and I was hoping that maybe if you turn to Oxford, they would use him like that, but I haven't seen that. Um, you know, one thing that's also bad too, Joe, is that Auburn has uh, a great running back room. And, you know, if it had a good offensive line, it'd be the equal, I think, of Ole Miss's running back room. But the problem is, is that the offensive line is so bad now that Jarquez and Tank are getting hit in the backfield and can't even get ahead of steam up and it's really limiting their ability to make big plays. That's right. That, that's been an issue. And, you know, Ole Miss's offensive line is definitely, you know, a strength of their team. Um, I've heard them kind of listed as a top three unit coming into the season, and they've played like that. I think, you know, what Ole Miss has to be careful with this game is just obviously avoiding turnovers. You know, Dart has to be smart with the football because that's when he makes mistakes is when he tries to press and, you know, throws into traffic and you see an interception that's inexplicable. But also at times this year, there have been some issues with the snaps, like some of the snaps from the center because they've had to shuffle some guys around on the offensive line. Um, some of the snaps coming in to um, dart are sometimes high or low, and he has to kind of, you know, it's adventurous to try to get the snap to catch the ball. And so that's something Ole Miss has got to clean up. And so it's just avoiding things like that, I think, in, in this matchup. Yeah, absolutely, Joe. I mean, I think, uh, you know, if Ole Miss plays mistake-free football, they win this game by three touchdowns or more. Um, the last thing that I would say that is really, I think, a, a rough thing for Auburn right now is that one of the strengths of their team that actually had shown itself during their season was their defensive line with Derek Hall from Gulfport, Mississippi, is so great. With EQ Leota, the transfer from Northwestern, and Colby Wooden and Marcus Harris, like a really solid defensive line – but in the last two games, they've lost their best two defensive linemen and Eco Leota tearing his pectoral and being done for the season. And Derek Hall got injured last week. And suddenly one area where, you know, Auburn could get pressure on a quarterback that has been erratic at time at Jackson Dart, they lost their two best pass rushers. So this is, you know, in a, in a thin position where Auburn had some talent on the very one line, but not a lot of talent on the two line. Suddenly, even that advantage they had in this game is gone. And I just don't see a path to victory for Auburn in this game when you add all those things in. No, that's a really compelling point. Because I was thinking about that with Hall. You know, he was a player I was really interested to see how he would uh, play in this game. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, who knows? Maybe he can play this week. But I know he got injured against Georgia last week and it might be a day to day thing. But Eco Leota for sure is out for the rest of the season. Gotcha. So, Joe, with that being said, I, you know, I look for this to be Brian Harson's last game. This is the, uh, the bye week is coming up. I think that a lot of people had pointed to this as being the last week he would have when that was considered even a few weeks ago. Uh, I think that Ole Miss wins this game 31 to 10. Okay. Uh, I, I can see that. I think I was, um, I'm thinking like maybe 38 17. Um, but I, I could definitely see what you're saying, too. 
let me say this. If Auburn scores 17 points, uh, sadly, that's a great offensive output for them based on what we've seen this season. So that's why I'm leaning towards maybe the defense plays pretty decent for a little bit, limits Ole Miss, but then eventually gives in due to lack of an offensive uh, efficiency or game plan. And the weird thing about Ole Miss, you know, is um, if you're looking like for a path for Auburn to maybe kind of keep it close early, is they've kind of had this weird Jekyll and Hyde thing where they'll sometimes get off to a good start and be like a first-half team like they were against Kentucky. They won't score in the second half. And then they'll – like last week against Vanderbilt, they're bad in the first half and just on fire in the third quarter. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, what Auburn's hope has got to be is that uh, when Auburn plays good in the first half, which is what they have done – and played poor in the second half, that Ole Miss has their good half in the first half and plays bad in the second half with Auburn because the problem Auburn's had under Brian Harson is they get out to two touchdown leads or even 17 points like they did against LSU or even 25 points like they did against Mississippi State and still finds ways to lose. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, it's tough to win when you can't hold on the leads like that. It, it really is. So – We'll see what happens. I anticipate this being Brian Harson's last game, and this is one where I'm cheering for Ole Miss because I want Ole Miss to win the SEC West. Auburn is out of anything good, and really lose losses are kind of good. And, Joe, I've started dreaming, and if two games happen the way I want to with Ole Miss obliterating Auburn and Tennessee beating Alabama, about the most epic SEC championship I can imagine, which would be an Ole Miss-Tennessee SEC championship. It would be beautiful. That would really be something. Peyton and Eli would have to do a Manning cast for that. They would have to do a Manning cast for that. I would pay an ungodly amount of money to go to that game. My wife and I have already talked about it, that if this game were to happen, we're going. Now, if Ole Miss makes SC Championship in general, I'm going to go. But I'll be so much more excited to see an Ole Miss-Tennessee game than I would anything else. That really would be something. You know, I had not really thought about – um, how compelling the game would be. I think in my mind, I've kind of flirted with the possibility, but when you say it, it just sounds so enticing. And you're right. After this week, you're kind of starting to look at a path for both teams if they take care of business. Yeah, if both of these teams win, this is not out of the realm of possibility. And after what happened in Neyland Stadium last year with the golf ball mustard game, can you imagine how epic an SEC championship between these two teams would be? It would be just – it would be must-watch television. And I, I think that there's a chance this year if things roll out you know, the way they could that the Egg Bowl decides the West. It could. I mean, right now they're looking like the – you know, them and Alabama, those are the three teams in the West, and Alabama's not played great. If Alabama goes on there and gets waxed by Tennessee this weekend, maybe that's possible. Can you imagine if A&M had done what we wanted them to do? like how much that would have opened the door for some flexibility? Oh, absolutely. If, if A&M had ran the ball with A-Chain, won that game, and Alabama goes out and loses, and suddenly they're pretty much out of the SEC West. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It changed everything. Well, good news is Ole Miss and Tennessee, all they do is got to win. They just got to keep winning, and they can make this dream SEC championship happen. They could. All right. So we'll see if they – we'll see if it starts with a big Rocky Top win in Neyland – and a graceful end, uh, a merciful end to the Auburn, uh, the Auburn Brian Harson era in Oxford with a big win by the Rubs, and we'll see if it happens this weekend. Yep, we'll see. All right. With that being said, we'll catch y'all next week. 
Enjoyed having all of you listeners here tuning in. A great weekend of college football coming up. You can catch all of our episodes on Spotify. You can also see us in Live and Living Color on YouTube by subscribing to our Dan and Joe Sports Show YouTube channel. And you can also follow us on Twitter at DJ Sports Show. And as always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe.